Welcome to Straight Outta Gibraltar, bringing you interviews and all the best music from the Gibraltar music scene. If you like what we do, like us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash music. Hey guys, welcome once again to Straight Outta Gibraltar. It's March, we promised that in March we'd have two guests, or supposed to one, but obviously we, ha- we couldn't have the two without someone that we've been, been tracking down for quite some time, and we mentioned it in our post. So without further ado, I know I don't really think he needs an introduction, but I'm going to introduce him anyway. I right, welcome Guy Palmer. Guy, welcome. Hello, mate. Right. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Thanks for coming to see me at my house. Basically, <laughs> it's great to do it in the house, and actually, not doing the studio for once, and it's actually more intimate, and it feels better that way. Uh, and the best thing about it is, it's a long time coming, so it's actually worth the wait for both of us, and it's more intriguing for both of us to get down to business. Guy, the thing that always people will highlight you for, aside from the things that you've done, there's always obviously the fact that you come from a musical background yourself. So how much did that change you, like from a very early age to what present day? Right. Um, Well, basically, I mean, since I was a kid, there was guitars lying around the house, pianos and and the whole thing, no? Because, I mean, my dad, my mum, they've always been involved. My grandfather was a flutist as well, and my other grandfather used to sing and all that. Second nature, basically, no. Yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't take to the to an instrument at an early age, maybe like my brother did. No, I mean, Nigel was playing or trying to play piano since he was about five years old, yeah. and I couldn't care less. <laughs> and my my thing was football and football and football. So still is. <laughs> it still is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but I started to take an interest in at about thirteen or fourteen years old. Yeah. That's when I really started digging it, and and then that's when I got the bass, or, yeah. which was one of the things lying around. And what was it about, really, or anyone that you saw in particular, aside from your dad and aside mm-hmm. from your family, that you saw that grabbed your attention that you wanted to maybe emulate? Uh, I, well, I, but I think I wanted to emulate my father, but first and foremost, but, uh, but then you start seeing bands and that, and, for example, Thin Lizzy, that was one of the, I remember one of the worst, the first ones that really came, and uh, really grabbed me, no? And then you get the likes of Sabbath and ACDC, and, but I was also into Stevie Wonder, yeah. and all that uh, jazz thing, and funky thing, and all that, because of my dad, so, um, I think Stevie Wonder was one of the, the ones that really Stop grabbed it. me from the, from the beginning, yeah. yeah. And for sure, and like you mentioned your dad's influence, when you watch your dad, obviously at a young age, I can relate to it as well. So when you look at him performing from a young age and even seeing people having fun to his music, what was that like for you at a very early age? Um, well, like I say, um, he was there all the time. Yeah. He used to have a small studio at home, so 
I mean, I was running around the studio all day as well, and in the beginning it was just trying to emulate him, but then it was like trying to understand what he was doing. Yeah. And trying to then then you start understanding how to he was composing songs and how and then all, all the the intricacies that come behind that, no? yeah. the mixing and all that. So it, it, in the beginning it was fun, then it became something that I wanted to do. And then there was a twist, which I didn't understand in the beginning. My dad used to do cover songs all the time, he used to be playing all the time. Like I've done, I've, I've done that for a couple of years now. Yeah. Oh, I used to be doing this for a couple of years, and in Nelson, in Lotorado, in Cox. But when I started out, we started doing our own thing from the beginning. And I remember he used to say, now you can get some money if you play covers and you play in Christmas dances and all that. Yeah. And we didn't care. From the beginning, we wanted to have our own songs yeah. and, and have our own sound, basically. And I was much more involved into that than earning any money yeah. out of music to serve yeah. from the beginning. It's a great feeling as well when you actually perform your own material and people sing along to it, which they've done for, with many of your material over the years, and they still do to this day. And it's, it's yeah, quite but it's, a, but it's a process of trial and error. Because, yeah, of course. Because the first five or six years, you, you're hitting a brick wall. Yeah. Because you're, you're not even you don't even know how to play your instrument properly, <laughs> and you That's still true. want to do a song. So, but um, I think it was the right route to take. So yeah. In the beginning. It was hard, but eventually it paid off. And obviously with that paying off, in a way, when you actually said trial and error, and obviously you're hitting a brick wall, and even when it's your own tracks, and in particular, because people were not very familiar to them, obviously there was no Spotify, there was no YouTube back then, so it was, everything was a lot different. Yeah, right, right. So, one of the things is that in the beginning, you don't realise it, but you do after a decade or after... But when you start off, you're doing songs and that at the end of the day it's all about a sound yeah right when you start playing in a band it's two or three guys and and you can take that to any level you can take that to you to level you can take that to co-play level whoever metallica whoever, whatever you want to take it it's the sound forget yeah. the songs it's about the songs as well but there's something about those three four guys bonding that is makes the sound of the band yeah and we we got there in the end and i've done it twice i got there with, with area 52 as well but uh, when we got there with melon diesel we had the sound but you don't know how you get there yeah you know you've got them there but you don't know how that's and that's and that's a really really nice feeling when you know that that's you yeah and people know that we, these guys have I've heard these guys before. I don't know who they yeah. are, but I've heard it before. And you recognize it from afar as well. It's a, it's a, that's it's a, that's a really great feeling. It is, I bet. When you look back, and obviously when you obviously get older, you mentioned 13, 14, is when you transition into wanting to mm -hmm. perform music or anything else. Who would you say that you met on your travels? Travels, but <laughs> like, like locally. Along the way, no? Along the way that really came along, to you musically. Along, along the way, um, when I was 14 and that, Obviously, I, I used to look a lot at my father, but I used to lo look a lot at Jade, yeah. because my father used to work with Jade in composing yeah, and all that. So I used to look uh, at Pepe Pau and, um, and Chris Cavilla and all these guys. But there was another band which were younger than these guys, just a little older than me, which was Ash. 
Yeah. Que era Steven McLaren, el Bula, there was another bloke, Requena, I think, from, from the pot department. And those guys were a bit older than us, pero they were a rock and roll band. ¿Me entiendes? Yeah. Con que I, that's, that was one of the guys we really looked uh, up to, pero después there was another band también que era hot. Yeah, as Era el Pita Shishon, yeah, Ramire, Steven y el Tony Presco. Yeah, Tony Presco, I used to like to watch him play, pero he used to use a pick all the time, right? which I've never <laughs> liked to use a pick. Pero he had some flows and he used to do something that were great. Yeah. And they were, they were an influence, definitely. And obviously, because like when you mentioned about, especially Heads of Tales, even Nash and Hulse in a way, had their own tracks. And obviously, Ash as well performed things that were really weren't the norm. You know, ah, well. it's a, it's a, so it's it was very different in a way for yeah. that time. And obviously, look at Peter Shishon, what he's achieved in music. What well, definitely, and, I and mean, I, the love for the, the love for the whole thing. No? Yeah. I mean, he's still going. Peter's still going. Uh, he's got kids that he. Yeah, he's got loads of kids with him and now and Steve McLaren he's still got his own little yeah. studio he he was the only the guitarist that we wanted when we started Area 52 me and yeah. also I mean the only thing we the only per person that we actually approached was him if he would have said no I don't know what would have happened but he was the only one I needed to do the album I wanted to do. Yeah, and obviously because the tracks were very symbolic and mm -hmm. nine years later they still are symbolic to this day. When you look back, even more, like obviously, just forget like obviously Hearts and Ash and then starting your own thing and obviously mm -hmm. getting out in the scene to perform. Obviously the, the, the venues once were very limited. There wasn't really <laughs> as heavy. big of venues as there is now. Now we have Rock and Rock, O'Reilly's, etc. But back then I think there was only limited venues and then National Day started is when those are collective. See, but when our kids are very lucky today. I exactly, mean, I agree. They've got the rock and the rock thing going. They've got the amount of band rooms that are available uh, for sharing and all that. I mean, th th there wasn't anything like that. Yeah. And it was, I remember it was us, which was monkey business, me, Fan Pozo. We used to have a little room at Lampot, which we got through Albert Parodi, who got it through Gaba and all that jazz. We used to pay yeah. three pounds a month or something like that. <laughs> which was great, but we had a, an eight meter square meter room, and and that was it. There was another room up there by by the Ludians Club, and all yeah. that we used to um, where Glendiani and Danny Felice and yeah. all these Cavilla had a little band room and hot as well, and that was it basically. There was there wasn't any venues to play. We used to play at the at the Ludians summer yeah. ball every every year, <laughs> and that was it. Well, that's the highlight of the year. You look forward but, to it. But I think. To be honest, I think that helped us to get into the band room and really work on what we wanted to do. Yeah. Because when you're out there, and I've talked about it with Nolan Frendo, which he's got he's got a good band going, but he's always playing and that. When you're playing in and out every weekend, like we used to be doing with Area 52, you haven't got time for your stuff. No, so I agree. Because you become a musical prostitute. <laughs> that is what you become. And you're playing for 40, 50, 60, 80, 100 quid, and you're playing knocking on heaven's door, and you fucking hate the song. Yeah. You hate the song because it's killing you it softly. Is, yeah. That's what it's doing, mate. It's killing you. Yeah. Because you, you ain't got time for, you for to create, let alone um, to, to write. 
And, well, and it's great as well, like you mentioned, the fact that it was maybe just one gig a year, but obviously, like I mentioned, when National Day came along, a bit everything changed in the sense that bands actually had a goal. You know, they're like, okay, this is the stage yeah. we want to get on. One of the first National Days we, I remember it was like a compendium of people. We, everybody got on stage and yep. everybody, it was a mess, but it was beautiful. Yeah, so and it's it, something that should be done, I think, it, very soon. It, it was, it was a, a bit chaotic, but uh, an organized mess. <laughs> Just have it. it was good, it was good. <laughs> the way to and, and, for the, and for the young guys, it was really good to play with, old, with the older generation, with all that experience. Yeah. I mean, I remember for me playing with, which, which actually, I, we, we actually did the band and went on to play gigs and that. It was me, Pozo, Neto Rebagliate and Philip. And the four of us, it was two from an older generation and me yeah. and Pozo. And we really gelled well and, we, yeah. and we, we, we did okay. But the first time I played with them, it was like exciting, man, it's, to play like with, with these with guys them. because yeah. you've looked uh, up exactly. to them all the time. I mean, I always say heroes that don't necessarily have to mean worldwide status. It could be some local. I look up to local musicians myself. Seguro, so seguro. I can definitely relate to that seguro. 100%. I mean, I, my father is a... Is a is an encyclopedia on, on guitar chords. Yeah. Uh, Felipe, you can throw anything anything at him, and he'll play. Or drum it in, or anything else. <laughs> yeah, and he'll play, he'll play it in thirty seconds, and that's one of the things I liked when I used to play with him. Yeah. I, I didn't even rehearse, <laughs> and he used to call me half an hour before a gig. Guy, I've got a gig. Can you do it? Yeah, I'm on my way. We're gonna do this song. What's the key? A. Venga, boom, and just jump into it. That makes you. It get makes, better and better and it better makes you, It makes you very prepared as well, and so make, make okay. you better as a human being. As so I've, I've done that a lot. I've done that a lot. <laughs> and you, you wouldn't be able to tell, I think, <laughs> if you look at the gigs. And obviously, when you see from Monkey Business, then Sympathy from the Blood, the mashup uh, came yeah, along. See, when we got Bujela and Ferro, no sé, if he was still there when we got him. But these guys came from that little yeah. background. Do you exactly. Know? It was all like a, it was a collective, uh, pretty much. You used to guys uh, perform together from where I remember. I remember we got Vujela because Pearl Jam came out with the first album. He had two, they had two guitars, and they blew me away. Man. Okay. Uh, <laughs> they blew me away people. because it was one over the other, and all, which still is. He had done a lot, loads of years before. But these guys did it a bit more rock and roll and. That's why we, we talked about it, we went for Bujera, which was, I mean, he just slotted in really nice. Yeah. And he, you can relate to him, and you could have related to him as well, because he came from a musical background himself as well. Sí, sí, pero que he knew very early on what was required from him. Yeah, and he did that. And he did it perfectly. Yeah. Well. It was a very cool thing as well. We, we actually had Winston before him. Winston Fernandez. Yeah. Who's yeah. a brilliant guitarist as well. Very underrated guitarist, I must say. Sí, sí, but, uh, but Winston, he had other things going. It was di more difficult for him to, to fall into into it and and, yeah. and just perfectly. So, it was a, he had a bit of a rough time. I don't know what was going on, but okay, le costaba un poquito más. Entonces, um, Bougie came in and it was easy. And obviously, then obviously Dylan came into the picture. He used to be a drummer for a band, and then he ended See, up. When I when I met Marcus. him, he was he was playing drums and singing. Yeah. And uh, and and we told him, look, you you, you want to do this? You can't play the drums. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so and he said yes, and like I said, there, there wasn't many vocals going around at, at yeah, the time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So it was either me or Far putting some vocals in. I wasn't very keen on it. Which I was later on in life. <laughs> Believe it or not, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because and, and it really worked. But as a three-piece, 
to Saver. I wanted to to learn my instrument a bit better before, yes. and uh, playing only playing bass and doing backing vocals was what I wanted to do. Yeah, and obviously once Dylan comes into the picture, and obviously like it was like like I mentioned the collective of Sympathy for Blonde, obviously yeah. Monkey Business as well. So was there always a, a reason to change the name, or was it always going to be something else? Uh, we, we changed the name to Treehouse. Yeah. Which was the first CD that we did. Yeah. Um, and a very rare CD, I might Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We only did 1,000 copies and it went down really well, but obviously we were really tied up for money and recording wasn't as easy as it is, as it is today. I think that was 1993 or 94. And um, then we, with that and a bit more, because we actually did another, another album with a bloke called Salvador Colón, who, who had worked with Jade and my, and my father okay. 20 years before. So my father put me in contact with him, he was from La Linea, and he actually paid for a recording, he paid a million de peseta, which was about 5,000 quid at the time. And he paid the recordings at, at Punta Paloma in Tarifa, mm -hmm, yeah. we, did, we did an album, which he was going to um, publish in his own uh, Sergio, but um, Sony came along. And, that was it. and, and they asked me. I remember we, me and Fan Posso went for, to that meeting after after living six months in in Madrid. We came back to Gibraltar, and we got a phone call six or seven months later. You guys, uh, Treehouse, blah blah blah. Yeah, that's me. Uh, you guy, yeah. Can you can you meet me tomorrow? And I was in Gibraltar. Yeah, yeah, yeah see you tomorrow at ten. We got an oven, We went to see this lady and. She said, have you got anything apart from the CD? Yeah. Which, because she only had the five songs from the Treehouse album. And we had just got our hands on the ten songs from Tarifa. Yeah. And we put that on, on the table. And, and then she said, right, we want to sign you. So obviously we, we had to cut a slice of the editorial part from the publishing course, yeah. for, for, the, for the Colón guy and all that. But um, everybody did that little... A bit for a little so, bit of magic. See, see, that, that's the way it works. Yeah. Because it's a bloody big jigsaw puzzle and things have, have to fall in place that's and right. at the right time as well. Yeah. Uh, and they did. And when you when you did get that initial call, would you did you ever suspect that maybe it was a joke at the beginning? No. You actually. No, we, I really believed in what we were doing. Yeah, and obviously when it happens and then obviously you get there. It's... Apart from that, we we'd been in Madrid six months. Yeah. We knew the call was coming from who who it was coming from um, and it was through a friend of mine who had a restaurant who, who this lady used to go there and he used to put them yes. in the CD so we knew it was coming um, but we believed in what we did yeah. I mean remember that when I left for Madrid with the other four guys we left I left my marriage I had just been married for five months yeah. I just bought a house Posso was married through uh, a couple of months as well, and we left jobs, we left everything. Yep. So we knew that we had it in, in us to do it. Yeah. Um, and we put everything on, on the line. And the ultimate sacrifice as well, because you so never know what's going to happen. Everything on the line. And we had four or five grand which we had been playing at the Collingwoods. And with that little amount of money, we, we went to Madrid and we lived in, in friends of ours. Who was studying there? People from Gibraltar, yeah. Ramon Vakel, Nicky Gordon, yeah. uh, Lee Cochran. All these guys were living there, and they said you can sleep in a 
in our living room. We actually slept on the floor for five months. So. That must have been a hell of an uh, experience. This to, uh, and, and, and the main concern of people in Gibraltar was where are you going? I mean, politically, it's not going to be yeah. easy, it's not viable, you're not going to do it in Spain, you can't do it in Spain, blah, blah, blah. And you so, proved the critics wrong, I think. So we proved the whole of Gibraltar wrong. And what was it like, obviously, once you get signed, and obviously once you get out there to launch the album, obviously you go on certain TV shows, like Conica Marcianas, etc., etc. So what was it like to go on those shows, seeing them from another angle as well? In the beginning, it's you're living a dream, but okay, it's all a bit of a cloud, yeah. And you just go with the flow, because I'm, I'm sure that I would have done, fifty percent or more of the things we did, I would have done them differently today. You know, but it's the first time you're there. You need someone to tell you what you have to do, and sometimes the people telling you what to do, are looking after other interests and not yeah. yours, right? So if they tell you you've got to get and say. I, they say it's for your own good, but it's not. Yeah. And the problem you have when you're a new band is that everything you do will mark the rest of your of your career. That's true. It's very, very difficult to take that tag off later. Yeah. And that was one of the reasons that it started to crumble. Yeah. Everything started to crumble because I still believe today that I saw the picture happening before anyone else. Yeah. And I used to say, this is going to happen, we can't keep going this way. Some of the guys didn't think that way, and obviously, boy, um, when you've got five guys in the same room, everything can't go the same way all the time. Yeah. Which pretty much that was the case all the time. We were, we were, a, we were a block. Éramos todos juntos, ¿no? Pero yeah. eh, llegó un punto que la gente no lo veía, algunos no lo veían igual. Eh? And then it started to crumble. Unfortunately. That's the way to look at it. Well, it depends how you look at well, it. Well, yeah. At the true. time, it was very unfortunate. Yeah. But then, at the time. But then you did big things. But then you start looking at it with hindsight and things have to happen. Yeah. Everything happens for a reason, they yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to play one of the songs that you chose. We can play all that you want. And so tell us about all that you want. Why that song? Uh, in particular? Why that song? Basically, because it's got. I mean, the rhythm on it, the bass yeah. and the, the rhythm on the bass and the drums is meticulously worked on by yeah. me and Pozo there, pero big time, because. Uh, and I think I I, I I don't know if I'm, I should say this, pero it's. It clicked because of a song from Travis. Yeah. La canción esa que hace yeah. La canción de va. It's very simple. But once you get to well, it. The bass de la nuestra. Eh, uh, da, 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 well, we hope Travis is not the same. No, but it's the timing, no? And I just got on to that, held on to that, and we worked from there, no? Yeah. Pero, and then, apart from that, the, the, the lyrics on that are very, very uh, touching yeah. as a Gibraltarian. Yeah. Sabe? Especially when you compare both versions as well. Uh, both both yeah. talk about Gibraltar, yeah. but the English version, será porque no? we, we, we are British. 
pues será que that's why the, the, the English version boy it's a very patriotic anthem definitely definitely but I, but I think it's a good song and for me personally there's a there's a voice at the end which which I just break my voice there. <laughs> and, I, and I love it I love it because it was really emotional so very surreal thing and probably one of the best tracks that you guys released that Jesse so we're going to play All That You Want by the iconic Melon Diesel hope you enjoy it guys
And that was All That He Wants by the iconic Melon Diesel and obviously good memories like we talked about before that we played the song. So tell us even more, obviously when you look at the transition and obviously how, how well you received and when you see it from a different angle, what was it like to even take this product in a way to even people that you knew as well? Because it was something different at the same time. No, not the car, no, no, no. Like when you, the product, like obviously the album, when you re re record the first I album. I don't like it. I don't like to call it a product. Well, no, a product. But well, you know what I mean. But it's okay. But, uh, that's the way the, the that's the way the corporate side of music yeah. works, which is fucking bullshit. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. But anyway, I'll take it on the chin. The product. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, when you look at it, and obviously when you you show it to friends, and obviously you show it yeah, to yeah. your influencers as well locally and even abroad. But what is, what's it like to show them and obviously get pointers and you in the right direction and you're in the wrong I, I think I think we we had reached a level there that that no one in Gibraltar had been there before. Yeah. Apart from Albert Hammond, the un poquito madre que gente que bien, they just skimmed the surface. Entonces, when, when you get to to do an album in 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 the studios in Lincoln and work with Barry Sage would work with he'd worked with Eda Smith and all these guys yeah. and, and then you come back with a, with a product como tu dices se lo pone a tu padre uh, he was gobsmacked man he, he couldn't believe the amount the attention to detail the, 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 yeah. the sound of the drums the, those cosas for us it, it was all new working at that level but we did a pretty good job yeah, uh, we did a pretty good job. The, the only thing was that after after we, uh, we we mixed it and all that, Sony came in. They they started telling the the producer they had to tweak the guitars, bring them down. They didn't want so much yeah. rock into it. We didn't even know that was happening. Yeah, that's that is why that is the worst thing about it. That, that uh, at at corporate level, trabajando una manera que it's it's frightening. It is, yeah. Because then, then it feels it's like it's not really you. That, yeah. And that is, when we get to the third album, that is why the third album, we didn't want anyone there, we didn't. We wanted to be there from A to Z, yeah. and, but it was an ongoing battle from A to Z, all the time. But at the end of the day, for the first album it wasn't bad. No, obviously, but then when you get, you mentioned too, the second, and obviously when you notice things are different, in a way, it, 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 it makes you feel that it's maybe not even you. Yeah, but I just put it on today. I like, I like some songs and all that, but I hate the album. Yeah. I hate the sound of the album. Because of what because you it mentioned. Because it could have been so much better. Yeah. Anyway. Um, it is what it is, unfortunately. It is what it is. Yeah. Exactly. And obviously, when you get, take it out there, and when you, even when you come back to Jib and you perform in Jib, obviously, mm. one, once everything like was set in stone, to say the least, what's it like to play those songs to the crowd, obviously, for the first time? And when people even know the well, lyrics? It, it was great, but I mean, it was great because everybody used to tell us that we sounded much better than the album, much yeah. bigger than the album. Would you agree with that? Of course. Of course. Okay. Uh, 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 and after that, what they did to the album, it's just a yeah. natural thing. has to happen. But apart from that, we were a very powerful live uh, band. Yeah, I agree. Vale? But apart from that, once you start playing like we used to play, which we did maybe in the first year, we did the 110 gigs. When you yeah. do 110 gigs in, in a year, it's super rare. You play automatically. You, 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 the, the neck of the bass is part of your arm. Yeah. 
to service. That's when you start jumping, and come you start you. doing other other stuff because you've got it totally under control. Very true. That was, that's what people in Gibraltar really looked at and, and were really surprised. Yeah. Because you can't do that unless you're really prepared for it. That's true. who won football. I mean, you can play football, but if you've been training for three months and you go on the pitch, it's like, fucking hell, who's this bloke? Yeah. Well, that's what happened to us. Then we were yeah. really, really tight. That's true. And I think the one that shows really the tightness more than any of the gigs is the one that you did with Cuarenta Pinsuales, the Vasico one, which is on YouTube. And sí, bueno, that's yeah. the one where you can actually see the sound, the real sound. Yeah, you, you, ah. can, and yeah, you can see that it was really, we were really prepared for it. Yeah. But there was other, other... I would say there was other gigs. There was yeah. other gigs, like, I remember we did one with, I think it was with Breathe, in the stadium. Um, we, we, we played Saragossa the night before, we came down uh, and we played the stadium. It was about 3,000 people. And that gig was, uh, for me, was the ultimate thing yeah. that we did because... And you think with people we, you were we, we were finishing We were finishing the whole summer tour. So we had about 40, 50 gigs under our belt. Yeah. So when we came home, it was like, we're going to kill it. Yeah, so, bring your A game all the way. And we did, and we did. And obviously the track Can I Follow is an example to that as well. Exactly, well, Can I Follow is another yeah, song. One, which, one that many others. <laughs> Can I Follow is, is, a, is a beautiful song because it's got... That, that's where you really see the shades of, of grey in, 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 yeah. in what we did. Because we used to play a lot with dynamics, right? And you can see that, that yeah. song, we, we take it low, and volume-wise we take it low, um, because it's sometimes the playing is minimal, yeah. and, and then it explodes That's in, true. into the into it, It's one of those explosions in your face as well, yeah. like, like very in your face, very hard with chords. With detuned guitars yeah. in the choruses and, yeah. and all these things, which which we, we used to play with the light and shade a lot. And that's a, a true reflection of that, that song. That particular song, I totally agree. So we're going to play Can I Follow? And obviously we're going to talk, talk probably about the, your biggest chapter yet after this. Okay. So we'll enjoy it. Why can't you see? It's not my fault. Why do you keep me talking to myself? Yeah, myself, myself. I should be free. There's no mistake. I shouldn't know that it just wasn't me
And we're back with part three, and we, I sounded like Arnold Schwarzenegger, I don't know why, but, <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to leave it at that, it doesn't really matter, we love Arnie too bits. So, guys, obviously everything has to come to an end, unfortunately, and obviously, like you mentioned, the crumbling and as to how everything happened. Was it very hard to take at the beginning when you came back and everything was set in so? Yeah, it was, it was really hard. It was really hard because um, I would have given a, a hand for any of these guys. Yeah. Right? And that's the truth. No, I know. I would have given a hand for the. I will, and ultimately, they did not think the same. Yeah. When things started to crumble. And. Um, I mean, agua pasada, como dicen. It's long gone, but at the moment I'm okay. No tengo problema. I'm, I've really gone on to do loads of stuff. Yeah. But at the time it was really, really, I was really angry. I was really sad, and and basically I didn't know what I was going to do with my life because I had two kids. Yeah. I had a kid who was five years old and a kid who was two years old. And you just look at them, you sit back and you look at them and you say, well, what are we going to do now? Because it wasn't a gradual thing. Yeah. We actually s finished the last uh, gig of the tour and that was it. Yeah, I know. done. So it was a stressful time. But uh, things happened, man. Yeah, and obviously things yeah. that you did after no paid off in a way and made you forget. Yeah, yeah definitely. And, uh, and as a musician, it gave me a trampoline, basically. And a lot of freedom as well. And, 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 a, and a trampoline to do stuff that I thought I could, maybe I wasn't going to do. Yeah. Like singing. That's true. So I never thought I was going to go into singing. And I ended up doing uh, gigs, which I sang 25 songs and played the bass to. Yeah. Which was really good because I, I started digging more into Sting and uh, and Phil Lizzie and all these yeah. guys who actually played the bass and sang and I read a lot about it and I learned a lot about it because playing the bass and singing is totally different to playing is, the guitar yeah. and singing. So I used to, you, 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 bass players sing in between spaces. Yeah, right? but not fully. And, yeah. it's, and it's really fun. It is, it's but, really and the fun. sound is different as well. Like, uh, like when you listen to Sting, this is the prime example there, especially Phil Lizzie as well, look no further than him. But when you look back, and obviously once you see that transition and then you get out there really as to what the local music scene was becoming, I think in the mid-2000s is when it was, I wouldn't say it was booming, it was just booming because everything was happening. Mm -hmm. It was obviously the advent of Rock on the Rock was just going to open up in 2005 and then obviously Lord Nelson's opened up in 2001, etc. So there was a lot of venues and more opportunities anyway. And there you have to give it to the Hunter Brothers. Yeah, 100%. Yep. You have to give it to John and Andy because they were the ones that kick-started the, the live yeah. live music and they used to do it every day at Nelson's man. Yeah. I remember I used to do jam sessions there on Wednesdays and Sundays, used to play there on Friday, they had a band on Saturday and, it, and that really boosted yeah. everyone because everyone had a chance to play yeah. and it was great. Then other venues started um, following suit like uh, Old Swell and the Marketplace and Cox oh, yeah. and, and obviously Rock on the Rock, Alan Alman. He did a great job there since the beginning, and yeah. he's still going. Man. He Alive and kicking, man. Uh, he, he's still going, and uh, credit where it's due. So. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, like, when you look at that happening, so you mentioned the Hunter Brothers, and obviously, like, all's well known. Pretty much the entire case, before Ocean Village came along, it was a very hotbed for music. And 
when you look back at the, being a hotbed for music, everyone got an opportunity, and there was always someone that you probably had never seen before, and you're like, look, yeah, that exactly. guy is actually no, better, quite than, better than the other bars who wanted to jump on the bandwagon yeah. because they saw that they worked, they had they had more income and all that, so yeah. so it was good to pay someone 150 bucks. And then we started playing for a bit more money, and so eventually. It got really well, really good. Really and good. very vibrant, I must say, and still very vibrant to this day. Maybe not very as vibrant good. as it was back then, but to a level, it's still very vibrant. You come back, and obviously, short, we meant to talk about the advent, and obviously the evolution as mm -hmm. to what local music became. Then Area 52 was born. Yep. So tell us about Area 52. You mentioned about Stephen yep. being um, the first one, well, the only guitarist that you approached. See, see, it was the only one, because I, um, I didn't think there was any other person in Jib that could understand where me and Posso were coming from yeah. and what we did. Because Stephen, we, we, he's our friend basically, so we had contact with him along the way. Yeah. I mean, we were the ones that talked to, to the, the music label in Spain that actually got reach to go yeah. into the, the whole scene and we always had some uh, interaction with him. So when, when this happened, me and Posso, I, I had several songs which were going to be Melon Diesel songs yeah. which I said Steve let's give it a go see what and I wanted him to be the, the vocals and he just started he's, he just started uh, singing as well so yeah. uh, it worked for me it, it was magic it, it just clicked yeah from the, from we, the beginning we went into our rehearsal room and 10 minutes into that I knew it could work yeah but obviously there were different there was there were a few things that could not be the same as before yeah. because I wanted to to break away from Melon Diesel. One of the things I've done since I started Area 52 was that I've never played the Melon Diesel song again. Yeah, that's true. And you've stepped to the ones I've, that you I've never to do done that. it. Because and, and and many of them are my songs. And if not if not, if, not, if they're not my songs, they're mine and Ferros or they're mine and Farm Ferros or whatever. Yeah. But I've never gone back to that because I don't think it was going to help me no, it, in my evolution. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Then I had to keep going forward. Yeah. Also, you see, I mean, the Area 52 album, which I think is the best thing I've done, it's nothing to do with Melon Diesel. At all, it's a completely different uh, sound. Even the structures of the song, we changed them consciously. Yeah. We did not want it to sound anything like the like what we did before. Even though I'm very proud of what I did, but uh, yeah. I had to move on. But it had to be something different, obviously, for yeah. people to see the other side of Guy, to yeah. say the least. When you mentioned, uh, in particular, and obviously the particular of the album, and obviously people, I think, wanted the album just from the get-go, once they saw you guys perform, and obviously it was a weekly thing as well. You guys were on almost every week, and yeah, yeah, every yeah, week yeah. even. And at Lord Nelson's, and obviously then you had the merchandise, which I don't think many local bands had a lot of merchandise yeah. aside from you guys. And when you look back, and then when the album was launched at the Catholic Community Centre just across the street from us, that's really what changed in a way. Because and I remember Stephen getting on on the microphone, and even you said it as well. That it was like a family atmosphere, and it yeah, totally definitely. was. Definitely. And that's really what I think changed the the, pers the perspective more for any local band, if in the sense that nowadays bands actually get out there and launch their albums for the mm -hmm. gig, and especially local bands. And you guys did it in a very good way. You had the noise opening up. Obviously, Stephen Sun and his great band all around, but it was just that dynamic when, and it was a very different thing as well. It, yeah, it had but, never but, been done but, before. But, but, but it's, it was it had never been done. But okay, 
it's it, I don't want to take credit for it. It's just that we were in a position that we were coming back from being professionals yes. for seven years. Yeah. I mean, when you work professionally for seven years, you must learn something about the whole industry. If you don't, yeah. I mean, where you've been, mate. Yeah. So, so what we did with the Area 52 launching and all that, and the and, and the merchandise and playing in different venues in Madrid and all that was basically down to the seven years that we've been going round yeah. and we acquired a bit of knowledge so, and we just put that to, to work. And this was before certain like Facebook became what it became as well. Yeah, definitely. And people became more... I remember we there was another thing, what, what was it called? MySpace. MySpace, that was it. And we were on MySpace because there wasn't any Facebook. Yeah. And uh, I think it was 2006. Yeah. That's correct. Um, well, that's really when it became very familiar. We, we, were, we were in Turin. We, we recorded that in Turin and in Milan. And we were there for two months or two and a half months on and off. And one of the producers was the producer that did the third Melon Deason album. So which for me was very encouraging because yeah. he was the one that said, uh, when, he, when he listened to the demo, he was the one that called me and said, Guy, I, I want to do your album. Yeah, and obviously the familiarity right. helps as well. Pero, pero, he did not work with Taxi. Yeah. He worked with me. Which is special as well. Which for me was like, I know where you're coming from. I know what you. I know what you did when you, we were working together. Yeah. I want to keep working with you. Why? Because it was new. Yeah. What what these guys did was keep going from where we left it. That's right. I that's what I that's my perception, right? Mm -hmm. I could be wrong, but that's how I see it. Then for him, when he when we talked later, he said for him there wasn't nothing new there. Yeah. So that's why me interesó, which was something that really opened my mind. That is why I firmly believe that things you just have to turn the page. Yeah, you have to. And there's a song on the eighty fifty two that say that says. Yeah. Uh, Turn the page, but then you, yeah. you need to do that. And sometimes when it's to move on or even to turn the page for a new chapter yeah. within the band or anything else. Claro, pero por eso me gusta el pizarrero heavy. He, he does because, turn because the pages. He, <laughs> he, turns the, he turns the pages a monthly. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he really does. <laughs> it's, really, it's, really, it's that evolution, really. But when you look at the evolution, and obviously that album, just like any other Friday, considering it was nine years ago, believe it or not, as time flies, but and when you look back nine years later, now it's when people still listen to the album and people still want to have the album on iTunes and, on, and they still want to listen to it in MP3. Yeah. And no, it's, it's, nice, it's nice, it's my, a nice feeling. My, my son called me the other day, Dad, uh, I've got a friend of mine here in uni, he wants the album, blah, blah. and I told him, No, you can get it on iTunes. And, yeah, and he's a 20 year old, man. yeah, so exactly. Okay. exactly. Okay. It's all about with the millennials, like yes, it's bueno, it really gives you a boost, yeah. And obviously you chose Porcelain Door from, from the album. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about that song in particular. Yeah, well, that song basically is, I, I, I love the the way the, the guitars by Steven are played and yeah. the detuning on that. And and I and I sang that song because it was a very personal song for me. I was going through a very bad patch at the time and uh, it was killing me. Yeah. So, I don't care about the mother's tema because it's, no, it's not something it was nine happened. years ago and uh, all, all that is you in come the back past. From, it's in the past, but at the, at the time it was very up there with what was happening in my life. Yeah. Um, 
the same as another song which is in there, which is Smile, no? Yeah. Um, which is the opposite of Porcelain Don. Yeah. It's it's like A and B. Yeah. So. But I think that's the the beauty for your lyrics in the mm -hmm. sense that they can get you up here and they can get you down here in a way. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I think that's really what music is. It's an emotion, and at the end yeah, of the day, it's it's like an artist, no? I mean, when he paints. Uh, he's just expressing himself, yeah. and he's got loads of stuff in his head, which can't he can't keep them there because it's not sane. No, so the same with a musician, and then you yeah. gotta get it out there. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think many great musicians like uh, Cobain and Eddie Vedder did that very well. So we're gonna play Post Angel, and obviously there's an Irish 52 song coming up after this as well. But just enjoy this one. I think it's one of our favorites. So let's enjoy.
So let's start with part four, shall we? Porcelain Door there by Area 52, and obviously a great song and a great album all around. And you've got one more Area 52 song coming up. So after playing, I want to say like steady and having like a regular gig similar to what Jay did and Glow did at Sax over the years, but was it very challenging in the sense, and at the same time not so challenging? You mean playing the, like the weekly the, in Gibraltar? Yeah, that? like to having that weekly gig. Um, not, not no, it wasn't challenging at all. It was pure fun. Yeah. But at the same time, we were becoming better musicians. Yeah. That was the main thing for me. But that is why I, I stopped it as well. Because there comes a time when, like I said before, you become stale, you're playing the same songs all the time. Yeah. And, you, and you've got the bloke who's pissed coming up to you and saying, ah, why don't you play this song and they play this song. <laughs> and five minutes later, you've got to play it or you've got to turn to fuck off. Yeah. Then so, there comes a time when it's you've had enough. Yeah. But for for a couple of years, about three years, it was great. Yeah. It was great because that's when I really learned my bass playing and singing at and the same skip. time. Yeah. That's why I used to do Thin Lizzy songs, Sting songs, Police songs. Yeah. I used to sing them because I really liked the whole thing. And I was learning. Well. I was learning. Stephen was learning as well on singing and playing other stuff. And you take yourself to other levels <laughs> because uh, we used to play Chili Peppers and all that, those things, doing backing vocals on <laughs> on, on things that maybe you you were playing a, a fleece uh, rhythm uh, there or playing a pattern yeah. by flea, but you were doing the voices that you chanted us as well. Yeah. Sabe? So you're taking yourself to the maximum. And to another uh, level. So yeah. to sabe? And, and that was really challenging, but uh, apart from that, it was fun. I bet. And when you look back, it's it still... Fun. Very great memories. If you look on Facebook, there's probably like people. And it wasn't about the money, mate, no. because sometimes we used to pay at the bar. Once we, we ended the gig, we owed money. <laughs> that says it all. Bartel, it's true. Some places really, um, they had brilliant managers and we had a, a wait of a time and we didn't pay a penny. But on some places, we actually had to pay when we finished because we'd had. Four bottles of wine, 20 pints. And <laughs> Unfortunately, the music wasn't enough to pay them back. <laughs> but when you look back, and obviously, I would, like we talked about the mid-2000s, and obviously the new crop of musicians come along, and obviously you, you look at Jesse, you look at Nolan, you look at uh, so many other musicians, even the ones like Paulista, etc. What was it like to, for you to see them grow? As, as, like yeah. Seeing it from outside and not, as a person, not a musician. The same. I love it. I love it. For basically, Jesse, because he's like... He's, I don't know, like another son, no? yeah. because I've known him many, many years and I've seen him grow as a musician and as a boy, from a boy to a man. And also for me, helping him out now, yeah. which is what I'm doing, because obviously through the WhatsApp and all these things that I'm getting into it yeah. eventually, um, he sends me songs, we talk about them, and he does that with his father, but it's not the same doing it with his father yeah, and doing yeah. it with me, but um, I help him out as much as I can. And it's great as well. To because get. I like it, and because I I can I really think I can have a positive input into it. No, of course. And the same with Nolan. Nolan, maybe even further, because we're trying to organize a sort of team, and we're trying to write songs together. Yeah. And I'm giving him ideas. He brings them back. Not as much as I would like to, yeah. because I haven't got so much time. But uh, yeah, we're we in contact all the time. And he's another musician that he's a lovely boy. But apart from that, he's really into it. Yeah, and he's involved as well. He, and, and he lives it. 
It's always very fun as well, and even uh, I, I do it for a living, like mm -hmm. just write about music, but even when you get that wisdom, I know they say, oh, listen to this, I want, like, I want you to preview it, or like even when you get like first-hand preview of something new, like I remember talking about Nolan, the, like I interviewed Nolan, I think about four years ago now, and he's like, oh, you're coming to the Sambo after I'm like, what's happening at the Sambo? And he's like, no, we're recording the video clip to our, like, our first new track and or, or from the album. I'm like, I'm there. And to have that confidence in a way, it gives you that sense of feeling like, okay, he's onto something and you look at it from another level, like you mentioned before. And it's that evolution and there's many other musicians that we could probably stay here till tomorrow talking about, uh, obviously, as to what they've achieved, etc. And obviously, we talked about, you talked about Adrian in particular, like, what's it like with to work? Like obviously still working with Adrian Bosso and obviously having that relationship and friendship. It's a Bosso. Bosso for me is 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 my brother, basically. Um, he's not my friend. Yeah. He, he's my brother. Um, when things crumbled with Melon Diesel, he could have easily taken another route, but he knew I was right. Yeah, and he stuck by you. And he stuck by me, and he went back to the public works department, and he got in uh, a brush and started painting again for two hundred quid. Yeah. That's who Adrian Bosso is. He's a very humble musician as well. Don't I say, and a very he, humble apart from that, obviously, he's the best drummer I've played with. Yeah. And I've played with a lot of drummers in Gibraltar, and some of them really good. But Bosso is the best drummer in Gibraltar by far. Yeah. By far. The way, the tempo, the way he controls songs, the way, his dynamics from zero to 100, and coming back again, and his wrist work, is second to none. Yeah. You can talk about Francis Pessino, you can talk about Charlie Moore. Uh, they're great. They're great and I've played with them. I've played with Charlie with the Zombies, I've played with Fra Francie many gigs with Philip, pero Pozo is special. Yeah. Nicky Cortez is a very good drummer as well. Very underrated he, one as well. He's basically. a very good drummer. The thing is, he never has drums. <laughs> <laughs> pero, pero he's one. he's one of the Guys that n get nearer to Pozo uh, ever, yeah, because of his wrist work and all that. I know, see the way he he, he challenges himself. I uh, think, and I remember seeing him live the first time. And I, I, and I actually did a, a band with him. The, the thing is that uh, with my brother and Nick, he, but, uh, in the end I, it didn't work out, and Nick had to go to UK and all that, and it, and it fell through. Pero. He's the nearest to Pozo I've seen in Gibraltar for, well, no, ever. Well, Nick is actually playing drums now with Craig McDonald, so yeah, I think yeah, we're going yeah. to stay I've tuned with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. And it's actually all the best to them, all the best oh, to them. Definitely. You're going to play Blindfold now from the album, and obviously that Good. that song in particular, I think Fabian Vinette was the one that wrote that song, or was it something that you wrote? <laughs> oh, no, um, I sent it to Fabian because he, was, was, because he was talking about the... the massacre in another school and all that and I wrote the lyrics to the to this song because of the bowling for Columbine for Michael yeah. Moore the, the the documentary it really caught me I mean and and it happens every couple of years you get another massacre in another school and another school and another school and these guys they don't do anything about it and then, yeah. so that song basically is talking about how they get people to have that mentality and that fear to yeah. go out and buy a gun because they they're gonna feel safer and they they well, don't get they don't get to the root of the problem. Yeah. Do you see? 
And that, that, I mean, if you hear the lyrics on that on that song, that's, deep what as well. that's what it's talking about. And it's a very deep, meaningful and it's song. a detuned uh, song as well. There's very sleeky bass lines there, yeah. like very psychedelic. And yeah. very cool as well. Very I, different. I, I, well. I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. And obviously, when you guys played it live, it made a hell of a difference to a lot of people. I think. Obviously, because what you mentioned, obviously, once they know and understand the message, it it just has. But that's why you you talked about Fabian because he actually posted something on that, and I said, "Yeah, there you go, Fabian." I mean, it comes to light again. The song uh, comes to light again yeah. every three or four years. Unfortunately, you can play it and really identify. It has a significance. Yeah. You, you can identify with, with with what's going on. And obviously, the world is a mess at the moment, so I think we, we can definitely use that song as an anthem yeah. <laughs> to keep us going. Unfortunately, yeah. So we're gonna play blindfolds, and obviously, hope you enjoy it. If you've never heard it, or even if you have heard it, you enjoy it even more. So enjoy, guys.
tell me why do you see, do you see black the same as me? And we're back with the final and final part, unfortunately. And they always say time flies when you're having fun. And I don't think there's a better feeling or even example to use today than actually with that. So, unfortunately, like now, Area 52 has continued. But obviously, now they're taking a bit of a break. We from are, it. We are, yeah. And so what's it like when you look back to taking that break after so long? Would you say Would you say it's come maybe at the time when you could work on something new and then develop into um, something? To be honest, I took the break before Adrian and Steve. Yeah. I've been away from, from playing gigs and that for about a year. I think the only thing I've done was the... Polisola. The, 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 the Polisola thing, right? Which was a great gig around. And, I, and, and there was another one coming, which I'm going to be involved again. But uh, the gig side of it and playing the bars and that, I, I was a bit tired on that. So they kept going as an acoustic duo. And, uh, but now Steve and Adrian have ca called it quits as well. So we're going to have some time off, but oh, there's definitely something coming up for sure because we've talked about it already. Um, we've talked about bringing in someone else uh, or just going with a, with a trio thing, yeah. but oh, there's something brewing for sure. I've got, I mean, there's about 29 songs in my iPhone at the moment, which, yeah. which need to, to, to see the light, you Yeah, and... Once you get them out there, you'll probably See, have the same well, response. There'll probably be a selection there, and and from those 29 plus whatever Steven has, we'll just keep 10 or 12. But, yeah. uh, but there's definitely material to work on, on a second album. Would you say it's very, I wouldn't say easy, but is it very easy to actually work with someone like Steven and you work with someone like Adrian, where you bring something to the table and you all combine together, like your knowledge? Uh, it is, it is, but I think it's a level of tolerance. Yeah. That's what it is. And the ego thing, that's way past us. Yeah, completely. Because when you're 20, 25, the ego can, it can be a devil, man. Yeah. And uh, it breaks bands up. It does. Um, yeah. But uh, to be honest, it's never happened to me. It's not going to happen now. No, that's all. And, uh, and McLaren and Bosso will be very lenient on that. If I've got a song and I really firmly believe in what I'm doing, and uh, they just carry me. Yeah, and, and they let me they let me work and they let me do and if they have to have two percent input they will. Yeah, and I don't mind and they don't mind and and that's the way we work. There's you, nothing like you all have freedoms. There's no formula, do you Yeah, and it, it depends on how it's going. And obviously the freedom and to work with one another makes yeah. it a lot easier. And obviously to work on what maybe you say, oh, mira, bass yeah. or something like yeah, that. Or maybe Stephen me dice, mira, un momento, and he gets the bass. Mira, mira, el refete porque no hace eso. Yeah. I, I don't have a problem with that, no, because no. I've done it before. 
I've told him, why don't you use this code instead of that? And we can take that. We're yeah. 40, I'm 40, going to be 47 years old. I, if I can't take that now, I don't, say, <laughs> okay. uh, I don't have a problem with that. When you're 20 years old, don't tell me what to do. Yeah. And all that stuff. It's happened before. You're the wrong, I, if you do that, you're in the wrong business. No, but it's, it's, it's happened before and I've seen it as well. Um, we're open to, to, to the whole thing. I don't. Th I think it's very easy to work with. Them. Very, yeah. very easy. And I bet you know, once, once you get into the studio, I've seen it firsthand. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. I can relate. So moving on, and obviously, even when you are doing the Area Fifty Two stuff, you're still doing the Punk Zombies, which you joined with Adrian, yeah. uh, Charlie Moore, I believe, and Nick Richardson was uh, part of that band as well. That was great. And, and Gavin Garcia was part of that band. Yeah, as well. Gavin was around as well. Yeah, but uh, that was superb. Yeah, that I know. And, and for me, it was. Tremendous! It was a breath of fresh air yeah. because um, I saw music from another perspective. Even even if I did not have as much uh, input as I would have liked to, because Adrian and Charlie had actually done the whole thing. Yeah. So um, composing wise, no. Yeah. I just went in there with my flair and my bass lines, <laughs> and and I gave it my little tweak to your note, to, your to my personality, yeah. no. But, uh, but the songs were there. I, um, I mean, it was just a question of listening to the songs <laughs> and doing them, no? But uh, the energy on stage and the fun that I have with Pisarello and with these guys, it's it's great, no? yeah. It's great. And Behind the scenes, uh, on stage and, and everywhere. And so. I think the gigs, like in particular, the, you mentioned the word energy. They were too energetic in a very good way. You know, people enjoyed them the same thing when the album yeah. came out as well. Heavy. I and remember not, we did a gig in the Scala in which London. Which was in Gertie, yeah. And, I mean, we blew everyone away. Man. I mean, that was Ted Mole and Breed. Ted well. Mole and Breed, and we blew everyone <laughs> away. <laughs> With all due respect to the other bands, eh? Yeah. But uh, we were really up for that gig. We no, were really up for And obviously the bands that, are, that were actually signed to a label actually <laughs> tossed them aside. But it was great. It nah, was great. but it was a great feeling. I, unfortunately, I couldn't go, but I did hear a wonderful thing straight after it as well. And the Punk Zombies is one of those things, it's one of those projects, I think, that really show you what Adrian is all about. Definitely. Because when he, like, now he's doing his rockabilly stuff, and now he's got Boys with the Black stuff, which he's going to do tomorrow with Jonathan Bujeda and, and a few others. And it's that, that combination as to how he can make something work with its punk, with its country, it's, and he yeah. brings it to the table every time. That's the, the turn the page, what I was telling yeah. you. I mean, he turns the page every every month. Well, not even every month, every hour. <laughs> You you need to be special to do that. Yeah. You need to have something special and no inhibitions at all. And, and obviously don't give a fuck about no one because no. that's that's his attitude. Yeah. And uh, and there you have it. That's right. Pisarello. Yeah. I mean, and he doesn't care if he's a bit out of tune. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I always tell him, Listen to the sound, and he goes crazy. Pero, that's, that, Adrian, pero that's him, man. Yeah. And uh, and he gets you. Yeah, he, he gets you. Sorry about that. Excuse me. Not everyone can do what he does. No, I, I completely agree. And it, it stands out as well when you actually see him live. When he he's he's we see what you get. What you see is what you get. And whether he's, he's always on stage, and then you see him off on off stage, he's always. Happy to talk. We talked about helping young musicians. He's the first one that you've helped no, 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 no. And apart from that, the variance that he's got, the yeah. way he works on, on different uh, genres and that, that, yeah. is, that is not easy. 
That's all. Uh, yeah. And I've tried it myself. What I was doing with with Nick and Nigel was was a change in in, in direction totally. You know, it's not easy. To That's all. It can be done, and I've done it before. But he does it with a with a flair and with a no nonsense thing that uh, is. It's admirable. It's very fun. It's well. admirable. The bastard. Yeah. <laughs> we love him to this. <laughs> this is the other that. So when you look back, and obviously what you've achieved, you've seen what the local music scene has become right now. Obviously it's very vibrant, like we talked about. A lot of singer-songwriters, more than ever, I think, now, nowadays. See? In, in every sense of the word. Is there anything that grabs your attention that, uh, from what you've seen, anyway? El Nino, which really caught my... My attention is el chiquillo este que se ha ido para Inglaterra, que tenía headwires. Ah, Evan Torrente. Evan. Evan. And Patrick as well, both of them. Evan. Patrick, I haven't heard a lot about him. But Evan is there. But Evan, what I've heard from him, the last song I heard was very, very, very clever. Yeah. He's playing guitar now. He wasn't. He was. He used to play bass. He's playing guitar, but I think he's a natural as well. I think he can move on to different instruments without a problem but uh, the songwriting is clever yeah it's really clever and it's uh, catchy as well uh, but uh, bueno, it, that caught caught me but uh, apart from that i haven't been listening to any other stuff lately to be honest obviously you're focusing on your own thing as well so so. i'm focusing on jesse my own thing and and friend a bit but yeah. um Evan came across it on facebook a couple of months ago and i thought it was great yeah. and i actually phoned him I, I sent him a message and told him keep it up, mate. Because yeah, he's there. He's got, he's got the right tools well, and well, all the best to him as well. Yeah, and they're doing like he won the singer songwriter mm -hmm. at the end of uh, of the year in 2017. And look, it's, I saw the evolution, like we talked about earlier. But you can see the transition as to how he's evolved as a musician, like even in his voice and even his guitar playing and everything else. It just shows at a click of a finger, yeah, and it's well, great well, feeling. Well, it's good. It's good. It's really good. So, Guy, unfortunately, like I mentioned before, we had come to the end. We're going to play you the final song, which is a return of the punk zombie song, which I feel like shit, believe it or not. Great. Today we don't feel like shit because you've actually been in pleasant company. But, Guy, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, mate, mine to, as well. To, to talk to you and obviously to Likewise. get... To see the, the other side, obviously, to talk about your musical adventures. Yeah. And I think the million dollar question will always be whether you guys will reunite once again. Melanie's all will reunite once again. Nah, but I think right now nah. the memories will always be there and the, the, See, we can leave it at that. Um, to, do, to go back to things is not healthy unless it's, you're going to have fun. Yeah. I don't think any of the five of us would have fun again because, because there's a lot on the table. Yeah. Um, I don't see a problem because there's no problem at all. But I, to, from no problem to going back to gigging together. I mean, remember that to do a gig with Melon Diesel, you have to rehearse for a month. Yeah. Because obviously you're going to be as tight as you were before. Yeah. Do we want to go back into a room, the five of us, and have beers and... As if nothing ever happened. I don't think so. Unfortunately, but at the same time, it's like I mentioned, you know, people... I think there is no better, greater feeling than to have people, even the new generation, to come and say, oh, who are these band Mel and Diesel? And they no, no, no hard feelings. They no, really at all. And, at I, all. and I think it's a great feeling. I've got my nephew who's listening to your stuff mm -hmm. now and, and listening to it for the first time, and I can imagine him 
when I was that age and listened to the first album, even the Treehouse album in particular. So let's just hope the memories there and the memories will always continue to be played on the show as well. So Venga. we thank you for the music. This okay, is that. So a bit pleasure. And that's Guy Palmer. He's joined us this week. Back next week with our usual format. And we'll see you in seven. Thanks for listening, guys. I feel like shit I feel like shit